As the world begins to emerge from the cave of the 21st century and opens its eyes onto the suffering from centuries of injustice and the bastardization of what it means to be free, the new Nomos podcast is a call. A call for a new beginning. A call for the new men and the new women that yearn to be truly free. A call for us to fulfill our destiny. A call for a new Nomos on the earth. Welcome to the New Nomos Podcast. I'm Abdallah Dutton, inviting you to join me on this journey of discovery to define what the New Nomos is and what we need to get there. In February this year, Park Zaim Saidi was arrested and held in custody by the Indonesian authorities under the pretense of using illegal currency within Indonesia. In reality, he has been at the forefront of re-establishing the gold dinar and silver dirham, the coinage of the Muslim world since the time of the Prophet Muhammad and the only accepted means that zakat can be taken on monetary wealth. Now, a week ago, on the 12th of October, Park Zaim was exonerated from these charges. On hearing the news of the not guilty verdict, I reached out to him to hear his story and learn more about the importance of the gold dinar and silver dirham from a man that has not only devoted his life to reviving this part of Islam that has been lost for over a century, but someone who has maintained his conviction and persevered through a year of interrogations, months in jail and a trial that lasted almost the entire year. This story is an education, it's heroism in action, and it is truly inspiring. So, without much further ado, I present to you episode 16, Paying the Price, the Gold Dina and Silver Dinam. In the mid of 1997, there was a so-called Southeast Asian financial crisis. And Indonesia is one of the hardest hit countries. Because at that time, the exchange rate of rupiah dropped from 2,500 rupiah per US dollar to 17,000 rupiah for a US dollar in about one or two months' time. So in other words, uh, it's about 400% decrease, meaning that you know the Indonesian people are getting poor only in two months' time. And that was because of the fiat money system, you know? Yeah. I was just returning from studying from Australia, actually. And, you know, uh, this monetary crisis reminds me of my, my one of, 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 of subject that I took during my study, which was the international political economy, something like that, you know, by which uh, one of the subjects was about the history of, of a monetary system. So that was my sort of intellectual introduction of, you know, that there was other model of monetary system, not only based on uh, fiat money or paper money, which is globally adopted in this time. 
And I remember that, you know, there was Prime Minister of Malaysia, Mahathir Mohamad, who get in touch with the teaching of Shabdal Qadir Asufi. And I think they met personally in Kuala Lumpur. And because of the teaching, Mahathir was proposing that we return to gold and silver monetary-based system. So, you know, those two things, my subject that I took at the university and then the monetary crisis, which brought Mahathir Muhammad bringing the issue to go back to the dinar and the dirham, which was taught by Shabdal Qadir Asufi. That was triggered me to get in touch with the issue. Basically, it was an intellectual exercise for me. Yeah. So I started to study further about this issue. I met Shabdal Qadir Asufi only six years later. And that meeting brought me to a different level of understanding, which is not only at the intellectual level, but also at the affectional level, which means that I felt that I have to do something about that. Yeah. So back from Cape Town, I really started to do the things, you know, uh, by distributing the coins because I didn't mint myself, but there was a, a company, actually it's a state-owned company who minted the dinar and then uh, dirham later on. But again, you know, most of the people understood the role of gold and silver just merely for investment purposes. Mm. And that was what makes what Shabla Qadir Asufi thought is different because he insisted that gold and silver has to be circulated. And of course, from the Islamic perspective, it's directly related to the, to the obligation of the Muslim to pay the zakat. And that is, you know, the, the entry point of the importance of minting the dinar and the dirham because then we have to established one of the pillars of Islam, which is fallen down, which is the pillar of zakat. So that was basically the, the beginning, you know, to, to introduce the coins to the people. You mentioned the gold dinar and the silver dirham and that Sheikh Abdul Qadir had opened your understanding to there being another means of currency and another means of making financial transactions. What was his instruction to you with regards the the dinar and dirham? And why is the dinar and the dirham so important? Right. So, you know, if, if I understand correctly what he's teaching us is that, you know, I think in many occasions he said that we must understand the times when we lived, right? And we live in a modern times where uh, the, the economic system, and not only the economic system, actually it's the life system, the whole life system is based on usury or riba, mm. meaning that, you know, it, there is an increase, unnecessary and forbidden increase in any exchanges. And this riba system is very much established because of the fiat money system, which is embedded into a banking system. That's why, as I said in the beginning, there was the occasional events, the so-called monetary crisis, when 
every time the value of the economy as a whole or specifically on the currency is dropped because it's losing its value over time because basically it has no value altogether because it's based on in the beginning it was based on paper and now this is just based on the uh, electric pulses i mean the digital version of the money the return to gold and silver is bringing back the real value of course in every commodity but as we understand by by nature people in the long history of their experiences chooses the best ones which are gold and silver but basically we can use any commodity that is commonly accepted as medium of exchange but the best ones are gold and silver so that that is one aspect from the you know the the the, the more general the universal understanding but then the second one as we have a little bit touch on it is is the more islamic point of view is the return of the zakat so the zakat has to be paid in that real value commodity and and rasul sallallahu alaihi has specifically mentioned in terms of gold and and silver actually in more general if your wealth is let's say in a, in a, in an animal then you have to pay with the animal yeah but in terms of monetary wealth then it was regulated that you must pay it in in gold and silver so you know the the monetary system the modern monetary system one because it's based on 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 riba and secondly as shabrikader has always uh, reminded us that you know the riba or usury is basically a psychotic problem and we know everyone in this modern time are obsessed to save or to uh, keep the wealth yeah you know and at the different level it is it is a hoarding hoarding wealth yeah. meaning that the wealth is circulated only in a very small uh, very small segment of the the society yeah and the rest of them are getting poorer and poorer because of the declining value of the paper money so these two major issues the real value money system and then the zakat model which is basically the obligation to circulate the wealth so that the wealth are distributed evenly to the whole segment of the society mm. so what were you doing how are you taking this uh practice of using the dinar and the dirham gold and silver currency what were you doing to put that to bring that back to life so of course number one is to provide the coins so you someone has to mint the dinar and the dirham so you know in my capacity i started to mint the coins and to teach the people that now the coins are there that only what they, they we call it in fiqh as a as an ain which is the wealth itself is 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 uh, valid for paying the zakat and now we provide it we provide the dinar and the dirham so that people can get it right mm. so in other word minting plus the education reeducation to the society they, they must understand the gold and the silver and then they start 
to fulfill the obligation of the zakat, especially with these two uh, coins. Mm-hmm. So naturally, after the coins is there, and the people get to understand the role of the coins, and then of course you need to have uh, channels of distribution. So I de- I develop what we call it as a wakala. Basically, it's a distribution channel for the coins, so people can easily uh, exchange their paper money into gold and silver, right? Right. So we have the minting part and then the, the distribution. And then logically, after the coins are distributed, it has to be circulated. So the market is very important. Once people start to pay the zakat with gold and silver, then you have to distribute the zakat to the recipients, right? Mm-hmm. The poor, the needy, the all that uh, eight ca- categories of, of, of recipients. And therefore, you have to facilitate the people who now have, starting to have uh, dinar and dirham, to spend them, right? So that is the role of the market. And the market itself is, is, is another main major issues in, in Islamic uh, history that is gone today. We don't find a market today. What we find today is the distribution channel of monopolistic economy, because the Rasulullah said that you know the 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 sunnah of the market is the same as the sunnah of 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 the mosque, meaning that the market is an open space and it is not for rent. It's a free of taxation. It's free of riba. So then I started to uh, call on people to establish this souk or this, we call it Mu'amalah Market. It is just a name, actually. Mm. But basically, what we want to do is uh, breaking the monopolistic model of economy. So, alhamdulillah, in the last two years, there are about 25 different places in all over Indonesia, from the west to the east. People start to follow the model. So they establish a market once a week or once a month. And they, you know they give the space for for free, and people can freely comes to the market, sells their goods, and then we declare that you know in the market there is a freedom of choosing a medium of exchange, and that is where the dinar and the dirhams are started to be used as a as a medium of exchange, mm-hmm. and it's been it's been there for actually for about probably 10 years, more than 10 years, but only in the last two, three years, it's getting much attention from the people and people start to follow. And therefore, it's getting a bit high profile, you know? So it's get media attention, etc. And out of a sudden, there was like a viral ch- channel in, in YouTube that started to discredit this market, you know? They started to inframe this market as, as uh, something related to radicalism, so, or, you know, or this um, pan-Islamism uh, ideology, things like that. So it got uh, attention from the authority. So, you know, they thought that, uh, I mean, these people are provoking that we are using foreign currency, so the dinar and the dirham terms are being twisted as if it is a foreign currency, which is 
of course, I mean, uh, forbidden to be used in, in, in the community because, you know, there is a legal tender law saying that it's only rupiah that can be used in the economy. Uh, and that's it. By the end of January, I was starting to be questioned. And then the investigator came. And then out of a sudden, only in about 24 hours, I was I was uh, arrested. I was brought to the police headquarters. And then uh, they said that I'm doing a crime because of not accepting rupiah and because of introducing something foreign to the economy, etc., etc. And that is the beginning of this whole story of the arrestment and the ban of the Pasar Mu'amala. Until Alhamdulillah, about a few days ago, there was the last session of the hearing in the court that the judges uh, has declared that I'm not guilty. So, if we go back to the concept of dinar and dirham, I want to just, first of all, Indonesia is a Muslim country, correct? Right, yes. 90%, I think. 90, 90% of the population, and the population is, yeah. is huge, correct? I mean, what's right. the population? It's the about 200 million. Oh, well, well, more than 200 million, because the altogether are 270 million, so it would be about 230, 40 million are Muslim. Wow. And the dinar and the dirham, the gold and silver coinage, is intrinsically Islamic. It's part of yes. the transactions of the deen. And you are implementing the transactions with the gold and silver dirham, the, the dinar and the dirham in your Muamala market. And you have had a backlash from the government that has come to arrest you based on your revival of a truly Islamic practice. Is, is that right? Yes, yes. Uh, well, but it was a lot of misunderstanding, uh, actually, from, from both the public and the authority. And because of the provocation of, you know, very little group of people who, who we can clearly see that they, they uh, instigate what the so-called Islamic phobia in this country. So the Islamophobia has made, you know, anything related to Islam has been something to be executed. So when they, they hear about the dinar and dirham terms, and then the Mu'amala terms, you know, they thought that this is something dangerous to the country. That's why they, they quickly took me for, for further interrogation, etc., because mis of under misunderstanding and provocation. And in the beginning, I was already, you know, when I was interrogated, I was already explaining that the gold and silver or the dinar and dirham is, is not, it's not a Viet money model because it is based on the value is based on on its weight, and in fact the terms dinar and dirham itself doesn't mean anything other than the weight standard that was set up by the Rasul The dinar is a myth call, which is you know equivalent to 4.25 grams of gold, and the dirham was you know there was a certain formula which comes to two point. 
975 grams of silver. So they should have understood better in the beginning and and they could have, you know, uh, brought this case into different course and not finally a, a court or judicial process because actually it can be proven from the beginning that it doesn't violate any regulations or laws in, in this country. But, you know, because it's became so politicized, they keep continuing the process. So I have to, you know, even during the interrogation, there was a section of the the police headquarters, which is called the terrorist, anti-terrorist uh, detachment or something like that, you know. And I was full three days interrogated by this, this, uh, this detachment because they thought that, you know, I was part of, of certain uh, underground uh, separatist movement or something like that. But, you know, of course, uh, I can clearly defend myself. This is just part of the, the effort of establishing the pillar of zakat. And then uh, by implication is even strengthening the economy of the people because then the gold and silver are distributing widely to the people rather than just kept by the elites. So Alhamdulillah, after 15 sessions, you know, there were some uh, witnesses, some evidences. Uh, so the judges was was uh, in, in uh, conviction that uh, there was no crime in this process. What were you arrested for in the first place? Well, to 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 create uh, something resembling to currency, okay, which basically sort of it's a kind of of uh, making of fake money, right? Right. But you know, interestingly, in this country, Indonesia, there was we only enacted the legal tender law by two thousand and eleven. Wow. Okay. Right. It's very 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 recent. So we have been doing, I mean, uh, pursuing the economic model without any laws, right? But interestingly, the, the investigation was in the, initially they used this law, the legal tender law, because they thought I'm violating legal tender law. But somehow they couldn't find any proof because the dinar and the dirham that we talk about is not the dinar or dirham of something like the Moroccan dirham or the Iraqi dinar, you know, which are, which are legal tender yes, and foreign currency in this country's context, right? So this is something that I didn't know at all. That there was another law, very old one. Well, I mean, old in terms of Indonesia because it, it was law number one, 1946. This is a general law on criminal act but it has certain articles regulating uh, money matters and historically this law was enacted because indonesia was just a newly independent right we independent in 1945 so the government needs to have a certain laws to protect the sovereignty including the monetary sovereignty mm-hmm. so they enacted this law to protect not even rupiah. There was no rupiah at the time, but there was there was uh, there was a Dutch, what we call it, Hindia Blanda, which is Dutch Indies 
money, which is still valid. And then there was uh, Japanese rupiah money, which is also which was also still valid at the time. So they want to protect these two currencies because the Dutch tried to recolonize us by bringing military uh, campaign. So, and they, they, with this military campaign, they brought in different kinds of currency. So the government said, look, the currency that is that's valid are only these two. And therefore, whoever created something similar to this currency is criminal and will be punished for 15 years of, of imprisonment. So the punishment uh, is, is very, very, very high, very strong because they want to protect the, the new country's sovereignty. And they use these laws to, to prosecute me. Oh, wow. Uh, because they thought again, you know, that this dinar and dirhams is something uh, similar to currency, and and they interpret the making or the creating of money is not the physical doing of making of minting the coins because I didn't mint it. I, as I said, I bought it from from the companies. So they arbitrarily interpret that the making of currency in this case. It's not the physical minting, but the effort of making it functional as medium of exchange. Ooh, okay. <laughs> so it's, it's becoming so, what do you call it? So open-ended interpretation, you know, just because they want to make sure that I can be, I can be prosecuted, right? But alhamdulillah, after this prosecution level, they brought it to the court. The judicial process, which is a different, uh, different level of process, right? Because it's 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 a process whereby we have to prove whether I'm guilty or not guilty. So that that that, that was the, the 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 process that's been in the last uh, six months, I think. But you were held in jail, right? Yeah, yeah. That's because you know in Indonesia the system says that if you if you are, uh, what do you call it? If you are accused, accused for something criminal and the punishment more than five years imprisonment, then you have to be detained. Oh, wow. Okay. Right? Yeah. In the legal tender law, the, uh, the threat of punishment was only one year maximum. So they use this other law the Dutch, oh, uh, the 1946 law, law in order to the detain you. Law, exactly, because the threat of the punishment maximum 15 years. Oh, wow. So they are, I mean, they are justified to detain me. So I was detained for about two months' time. And yeah, about two months' time. Then I was, uh, I was appealing for the so called pretrial detainment uh, bail, right? So then I was released for a bail. So I have to come to the headquarters to, you know, report myself uh, two week. I mean, two times a week before the court process. But where you were detained in the, in the prison was that with convicted criminals? Yeah, I was detained in two different periods. You know, the first period, the beginning when I was arrested, and then I was detained in in the prison of the police headquarters because it's considered as a high profile case you know it's a national country level of of case so they brought me to the headquarters 
but when the the investigator is done they submitted the case to the court system then i was detained in different different uh, place in depok in my in my hometown but i mean were you detained with other convicted criminals well no they they have the, it's called special special uh, uh, cr- crime special crime section or something like that you know so i've been detained in the different block so with me was the white collar criminals the so called white collar criminals okay so it's a banking case insurance case things like that you know but not purely criminal like people who murder or or, or theft or <laughs> it's a different different section different blocks and did you meet any interesting people under under your detainment well very interestingly because you know in the in the in the i found a lot of activists there i found some ustad some alims there so there are people who who are considered as a as a, an opposition uh, they are put in the same uh, jail with me very interesting so i met even i met my old friends and <laughs> i i was kept in the same <laughs> bar with my old friends okay. the student activists back in 80s wow so wow. it's interesting and what what in going through i mean i'm just trying to think i'm trying to put myself in the in your position where you you don't know what's going to happen in the future you're cut off from friends and family potentially this is 15 years in jail if they are able to convict you on the highest on the highest right. um, um um crime you know what's going through your head and how how did you keep your conviction and your and, and your strength well i'm 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 very certain from the beginning that i'm not guilty that what i've been doing is not violating any any laws because because gold and silver are something natural something in fitra you know so banning of using gold and silver as as transaction instrument is like banning potatoes or banning a chicken or any commodities for for transaction so i believe that it is not possible and i believe that it is in my case it is because of the politicizing and provocation that was done by certain people that that brought me to this process you know and i believe that 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 uh, what i've been doing is bringing something good for the people i don't see what makes me fear that they will prosecute me because i i i, I believe uh, that this is something natural something that cannot be cannot be criminalized you know even though i understood that you know in the global system the imf has forbidden the members to use gold and silver as money but that's only bind the members which is the central bank they don't bind me you know i'm a free man yeah so that's that beliefs uh, that makes me you know certain that that i will be free what was your experiences through the hearing i mean you said there were 15 separate hearings right 
right what 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 was happening kind of each step of the way well you know the 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 hearing process is a logical uh, logical steps the first one was sort of the presenting the charges the suits right and that was the prosecutors and then the secondly was uh, from my side defending my position by by presenting the so called obje- objection then again the prosecutor will respond to our objections and then there was the so called interim decision by the judges who reject our objection and basically said that you know we have to pursue all the process to really uh, assess the evidences whether it's proven or not proven and i felt you know in the beginning i felt oh uh it's is going to be really bad but then i understood later on you know that this is a the, the better process because then we pursue you know the, the whole assessment to come to the uh objectives uh, decision the only uh worry that i have as people may know you know that the judicial system the whole uh, bureaucratic system in this country is not very objectives because it's always been political it depends on the regime who is in in power yeah, right yeah. and as and i already said before that this time there is some kinds of islamophobia yeah there in 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 the in the government level so the only fear i have is that the judges cannot be either objective or there will be an intervention political intervention into the judicial process Wow. But alhamdulillah it's proven that it doesn't happen because I I appreciate the judges there are three members of panel of judges in my case and they are uh, they are really objectives and you know I don't see any political intervention and and at the end I can see that they have made a strong argument of their verdict to make me unguilty and you know to set me free amazing. amazing yeah and and the interesting thing is that one of the consideration that the judges mentioned to make me unguilty is because what i been doing is really providing the coins for the people who wants to pay zakat and zakat is an obligatory uh, ibadah for the muslim and therefore it's the constitutional rights of 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 the citizens to to do it right so therefore and and, and you know the rest is more technical like the uh, gold and silver coins are not currency but it is commodity and therefore the tra- transaction with these two are bartering rather than trading in 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 a in a conventional uh, sense you know yeah because you know selling and buying will be needing a currency but bartering is commodity to commodity based on those considerations the judge said this is this is this is all right it doesn't violate uh, any laws you know the judge mentioned the quran to to support his argument the the, oh. the you know the first, the first of of uh, tauba i think verses 34 35 uh, you know when osmat said you know it is it is a great punishment for those who hoard the wealth and who doesn't spend the wealth for things 
and that refers to the obligation of paying the zakat and it was specifically mentioned it is forbidden to hoard gold and silver and then the judges also mentioned there is a there is a tradition of the prophet sallallahu ordering the muslim to pay the zakat when their wealth reach a uh, certain amount of 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 uh, time and and uh, numbers in this case is 220 dinars and 200 dirham and therefore you know to be able to fulfill this obligation there has to be coins right so so i don't think uh, there is a, there is counter argument that can challenge this islamic obligatory because i have to mention also this at this stage the verdict of the judges is not final yet because the prosecutor has the right to object it through what they call it as, as a, an appeal right a, an appeal process but not to the higher court but directly to the supreme court but i we hope we hope you know because the argument of the judges are so clear and so strong that they don't pursue this further legal process because they they have uh, two weeks time to you know to think and decide whether they are going to pursue to the further legal process or not and if they don't do it meaning that this uh, verdict has has uh, uh, what do you call it the dutch the dutch term for this is inkracht meaning that it's a final okay you know <laughs> inkracht <laughs> inkracht so once once it's a final then you know it's it's uh, the the most important thing is that you know uh, the use of dinar and dirham is uh, becoming legal officially i mean based on legal verdict of of a court because it's so far uh, the people are still having some doubt you know whether using dinar and dirham is legal or whether it is it is not violating any regulation etc so you know we have a bit we have uh, so much difficulties in convincing people but now with this verdict the people will you know certain well that's what i was thinking now i was like through this whole journey that you've been on i mean i've received uh videos in support of of you um we've seen articles online and you, there's been media attention to your cause and i'm thinking now surely having gone through this whole process and now getting the not guilty that's some really good marketing <laughs> yes yes of you course yeah, yes i mean as long as you're in the papers then right i mean obviously not to remove any of the the difficulties of this journey for you and your family and 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 you know your loved ones but coming out the other side and now with a little bit of relief looking at it is is being quite good exposure <laughs> no yeah alhamdulillah yeah i mean you're right i mean uh, this this has made great publication publicity and also uh, teaching actually those who didn't know what dinar and dirhams are now they start to understand it alhamdulillah yeah. and that was the other thing that i wanted to just really ask you about or or to kind of explore a little bit more i think many people well many muslims today don't even realize that zakat can't be taken in paper money i mean the majority of 
Muslims today. I mean, our money is in the bank accounts. Our money is in 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 kind of um, cyber blips. And you know, when it comes time to you know, we go over the nisab and we have so much money over a year and we need to pay zakat, then you know, the majority of us we just we just pay it in whatever currency we have it held in. I just wanted to really ask you, like, what's wrong with that? Well, you know, as I said before, you know, this is where uh, the, the importance of the teaching of Shah Al-Qadir Sufi. Uh, because he, he, I remember when I met him in 2004, he said to me, uh, you know, what you have to, you have to face this time is the modernist. That is what he said, you know, millions of them. And I, I didn't understand what he meant by that message at that time. You know, only after then I keep studying it because I was part of this, the, the modernist teaching. So, you know, when the says said that, you know, what you have to leap off are the modernists. I, I couldn't understand what he meant. And later on, I, when I started to really learn uh, more and more about his teaching, I understand that these modernist Muslims, they reinterpret Islam according to their circumstances of modern times, instead of returning and following what the pure teaching of the Rasul taught us, right? When he said to me about this uh, modernist problem, I was with also Shah Umar, and you know, the, the year later, I came to Cape Town, stayed for one year, almost one year, and I studied with Shah Umar in the detail of this, the so-called modernist uh, approach of Islam, especially in terms of the Mu'amalat aspect. And it comes uh, to me, you know, the importance of returning the pillar of zakat, the uh, returning to the ayn, which is gold and silver for paying the zakat, the rule of the market, the rule of the wakaf, etc. Which then you can clearly see the the difference of you know the Islamic model and the modern model. As I said before, you know the the, the modern model is based on riba on usury, yeah. Which basically based on you know it's it's, it's nothing. While the Islamic model is really based on wealth, the distribution of wealth, uh, the, the the just uh, exchange of of commodities, etc. So what I've been doing basically is just I'm trying to implement what our teachers has taught us, because I understand that ilm and amal have the same root of letters, right? So ilm knowledge. Is no meaning without the action, the amal. <laughs> so once you get understanding of, I mean, that's what also Shah Umar always uh, said, you know, someone can only understand something once he or she does the thing. So knowledge is not is not intellectual; it's 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 uh, it's action. And there's no doubt that you've put this knowledge into action. I think it's it's such a your story is so inspiring that you've gone and done something that even the the government of Indonesia has tried to stop and haven't been able to because it's you're doing something feasibilillah and i think that that's in, like insanely heroic um 
the 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 kind of to kind of close up there was one other thing that i wanted to ask you and that was what's next now that you've you've got this verdict and now that you can freely continue with the market and you've got this kind of free um marketing so to speak well i'm not going to say free marketing because you you've there's no doubt you've paid for it <laughs> just not with money um <laughs> But yeah, what's next? Where's well? What's next, the next is stage? It's it's expansion, expansion, expansion. So you have to work more. You have to teach more. You have to you know uh, take action more. That's that will be the next, inshallah. And what's your message to the world and to anybody who's listening to this? Num well, number one is that you know, uh, as I said, uh, knowledge is is only meaningful in action, and, and this is this is a special knowledge that was brought by Shaykh Al Qadir Al Sufi Rahimahullah that bring back the muamala, you know, uh, in 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 one uh, it's like two sides of one coin muamala in ibadah, the the two parts of the fiqh in Islam, so. Uh, that's number one that, that what is taught can be done and you have just to do it uh, there is nothing can stop you uh, because it is the truth it is natural and nothing can stop something natural and secondly uh, now we have a very clear uh, legal basis to tell the people all over the world all 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 the muslim world because nowadays we have one system, basically. There is only a single system of, of legal system, of monetary system, of you know economic system. And therefore, this model can be applied anywhere. And number three, I think, as I said in the beginning, that we once we understand the, the times when we live, this modern time, the whole system of modern life is usury, is riba. So we have to find an entry point to stop it because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Rasul has, has declared war, right? What, 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 what other cause that the Muslim can take better than wars against riba? Because as I remember, Shabal Qadir al-Sufi rahimahullah said, you know, uh, quoting Imam Ghazali, he said, when you live in a, in a time or place where uh, gambling is is uh, common. You have to be very uh, strong against gambling, and where you live in a place or time where prostit prostitution is is prevalent, then you have to be strong with prostitution. And now, these modern times, we are living the whole life under the riba system, so we have to be very strong and re, uh, strict towards uh, riba and shab qadir has shown us the way has shown us the you know the strategy of uh, mitigating riba wow. and at the same time returning the pillar of zakat and at the same time uh, bringing back the just of the economic system and at the same time bringing fitra in the, in the life of the community and at the same time society and at the same time leadership and at the same time health exactly 
exactly and so on and so forth and beyond i mean it's islam it's perfect alhamdulillah thank you for listening to this episode park zaim saidi has set the precedent and his victory is not only a victory for himself and his work in indonesia but it's a victory for islam a victory that reawakens the practice of zakat as it has always been with zakat paid and distributed in a medium that holds intrinsic value and circulates within the society through markets and trade while this example may be all the way in, in indonesia we have seen it put into practice and now the use of the dinar and dirham is legally accepted by the verdict of the indonesian national court which opens the door onto the expansion of this truly islamic model across indonesia elsewhere across the muslim world and beyond thank you